1: ChumbaCasino.com. Jumba. No purchase necessary. Full work prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and like conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. Hi, everyone. My guest today is De La Vega. De La Vega is a film, TV, commercial, and digital content director. We met about four years ago through some mutual friends, and I'm such a fan of his work. He's also a fellow artist parent. His first daughter is just a few months older than Cecilia, so we've been bonding over what that life is like. You can check out his feature film, Bookends, now available streaming on Amazon Prime. The web series he co-directed with Pepper Binkley, who was my guest on episode 127 of The Compass, is on Vimeo, and you can see what else he's up to at de I hope you enjoy the 159th episode of The Compass. Dark side as an artist?
1: Mm, uh, it's a combination of things. So, uh, meditation for me is a big one. Um, I've been meditating since I was like five or six.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Uh, yeah. My parents got into it. Uh, I think my dad got into it and then sort of shared it with everyone in the family. And so, I've been doing some form of it since then. Mm. Uh, so, I think that that's really helped me whenever i get anxiety you know sort of get overwhelmed about something which is for me is what my darkness is uh definitely getting wrapped in my brain and overthinking um so i think you know meditation uh hanging out with my family right my wife i've got two daughters um so hanging out with them uh just sort of playing you know focusing on them and not really work um you know and then also i think when and when it becomes you know, darkness about, about art, right. And, and the creativity or sort of lack of, or hitting a wall. Uh, I, I definitely speak to the, there's certain friends that, that I speak to about it, you know, friends that are in the industry that I reach out to, uh, you know, some are mentors, some are fellow directors and, you know, they're all also all friends. And so, you know, I can, I can talk personal stuff with them as well as uh industry stuff and it's you know this sort of great blend and able to give advice on everything
0: those are the best the best relationships to have yeah definitely so you mentioned anxiety like when i say the dark side is that mainly what comes up for you is it kind of like a lack of inspiration or is it more can it be more about like the business commerce side of things or what form does it usually take for you
1: for me it's it's more of you know, not not wanting to do secret projects, right? That's that's uh, like a term that my one of my one of my good friends uses, right? It's like, oh, I made a secret film. It's great, I love it, but like <laughs> no one knows about it, right? Um I you know, love so, that term. Yeah. Um, and you know, and some some things are great, I think, specifically, like if you if you go in with that being the intention, like this is just a practice, right? This is uh just me having fun. This is just me um you know uh just sort of exercising my creativity but when it is something that you've put money into or you've put hundreds of hours into uh you know creating this thing and then it just sort of sits in the void i think that's where anxiety comes from uh you know and attaching uh fulfillment to that um i think it's a big thing and so realizing that i don't have to feel fulfilled from from my art or from people seeing it or from people liking it um you know i can right get that's a tricky otherwise. line
0: right between um desiring that so it's not a secret like you said and also not placing all your self-worth on it
1: totally absolutely um yeah and i think since you know since this this new world that we're in right with with COVID 19 um i've really you know my not that priorities have changed but it's it's uh I'm not so focused on work because there's sort of a lack of it right now um you know and, and I'm and I'm limited to what I can create uh because I'm you know I've got two babies and a wife that none of them are actors yet um <laughs> and so and so uh you know shifting to being more of a stay-at-home dad and realizing like oh, this is so much more fulfilling, even though it's just mm. as exhausting, right? right? You know, I'm I'm putting in uh, 16, 17-hour days, um, but it's incredible. You know, it's so fun. Like right now, my oldest is two in a week and a half.
0: Oh my gosh, so soon. And,
1: yeah, and every day it's just these new things. Like every parent says, right? But it's like every day it's just these new things um like yesterday the big thing was she lied to us for the first time which was incredible
0: (laughs) 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 to see it happening
1: totally um she she wanted a pacifier after breakfast and i told her like hey you know pacifiers are just for when your teeth are hurting and for when we're going to take a nap and like right now we're going to go play for a while so you don't need it and so you know she grumbled a bit and then sort of forgot uh and then half an hour later we're playing and she just starts crying out of nowhere. And I'm like, what's wrong? And she starts pointing at her teeth and she goes, teething, teething. And I was just like, you are not teething. You've got all your teeth right now. Uh, um, but I was like, that was just beautiful. Uh, it was, yeah. So now we know she she lies. She's manipulating us. We're ready for it.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. Well, I, that was kind of what I wanted to ask next is just how are you guys doing with all of this right now?
1: Great we are uh incredibly fortunate so we have some friends who live in Romania and they own a home in upstate New York and as soon as actually we were supposed to be meeting them in Europe uh, I think the, the week that they locked everything down, oh my god um and so they're like look like we're not able to go home and uh, you guys can't leave so like you we've got our home if you guys want to go up and use it. So we've been here for three months now. The uh, whole
0: time, wow! That,
1: the Entire time, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, with two kids, that must be so much yeah. easier than in the city.
1: It's yeah, it's incredible because we went from, even if it's like, not your 100%. space, one hundred percent. But I, I sort of we they gave us that idea with enough time that I was able to do like three car trips out here with stuff. So it definitely is starting to feel like home. Yeah, at least from the beginning it was even feeling like home because we were able to bring so much here. Um, and it's in the middle of nowhere. It's surrounded by, like I always say it's surrounded by forests and farms. And so we go on hikes every day.
0: Oh my gosh. Uh,
1: yeah, it's it's been uh, an incredible gift that they've given us.
0: And remind me what your wife does. She, she's a psychologist. She it, okay. Great. Yeah, I knew she's she wasn't a in the arts, But she's yeah. able to work virtually. She
1: so she was on maternity leave up until, uh, I think, a month ago. Um so we have a 7 month old or 7 months uh, today. Um and uh and so yeah so she had 6 months maternity leave and so that first bit we were just here you know sort of trying to to get used to this new world and uh you know hiking a lot and playing um but yeah now she works from home which is great. Um and she works she has a private practice and she also has a, a job running or helping run an anxiety clinic for adolescents. Wow. Yeah.
0: This must be a crazy time for her work then as well. Definitely.
1: Yeah. She she thought that there would be a, you know, a bit of a shift um, where maybe people wouldn't want to work as much or do therapy as much, um, you know, with the private practice just because they'd want to, you know, save save money or whatever it is or just not able to sort of find the time or place and uh, doing it. But the people really did uh, adapt quickly to teletherapy and have appreciated it like have, have found this sort of as their refuge um it's been great for her
0: yeah um so you're a filmmaker how do you guys navigate your relationship um as an artist and a non-artist i'm in, kind of in the opposite situation being married to another actor i'm so curious mm-hmm.
1: um it's uh it's interesting you know i'll show her projects sometimes and uh you know, it'll be like, oh yeah, I like it, but it's like not giving me the <laughs> creative advice that, that I'll seek from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also able to, and maybe this is just her, maybe this is just sort of coming from her profession, but really, you know, able to calm me or calm me out on, you know, on any sort of nonsense that I'm sort of wrapped up in. Um, you know, sometimes I think there's, there's definitely difficulty if, you know, having like i said like 16 hour days uh on set right or, or going away you know on location
0: mm-hmm.
1: where you know i'm not home and it's you know and, and everyone who who's been on set especially you know being away on set it feels like camp so you're you've become friends with these people and so it's like not just working uh but then after you're also, you know, doing what I call also work is like you're getting together at the bar and you're hanging out and you're talking, right? Cuz these are the people that are going to give you work. Uh next exactly. Time. So you want to make sure that you're hanging out with the producers. You want to make sure that you're hanging out, you know, with the actors or whoever else. Um but it's hard to see that from the other end. You know, definitely from her perspective where it's like, "Hey, like, I'd like to FaceTime with you too. I'd like to, <laughs> you know, chat and hang out." Um and I've been lucky enough where since uh, our babies had been born we i haven't had that much uh uh you know any projects away they've mainly been in new york city or sort of the surrounding area
0: that helps a lot yeah um so your film bookends is on amazon now mm-hmm. so lovely and i had watched it uh, a year or two ago when you had sent it to me but i rewatched it um, this morning, I have to say it was a dark film to watch in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's heavy. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about like where you are in the journey with that film? Because something that I'm, you know, I'm not a filmmaker, but it seems like it requires a lot of stamina. Like it's a long, it's a long game, right?
1: Definitely. And this... where
0: where are you in the experience with this particular film?
1: So you know, near near the end, right? So this me uh this like we were saying like talking about secret projects right like this mm-hmm. uh was a bit of a secret film where i was in you know i was living in los angeles for six years um and i'd worked uh, as a producer for commercials for two years um and then you know did well in that was happy with that but wasn't wasn't feeling that fulfillment uh creatively and so you know talking it over with my wife we decided all right you know we'll stop uh, producing and focus more of like being on set. So I was doing more of ADing and directing and sort of balancing that life. Um, And it was definitely more ADing than directing at that point. And then we fast forward six years, we decided that we were going to be moving to New York city. And I had a bit of of a little mental breakdown being like, I've been in LA for six years and I came here with the intention of making a film. Uh, with was making a feature film and being a feature film director and sort of, you know, holding uh-huh. all that uh, stress over my head. And I haven't done it. Um, and so uh, the lead actress uh, in this film, Kat Espyat, her and I had been sort of over the year uh, that last year in LA, just sort of working ideas, seeing like what like what could we film? Like either shorts or features, but trying to just workshop ideas together. And when we decided we were going to move that night, I just put pen to paper and I wrote, uh, I think like a 20 something page treatment uh, for bookends. And I had the idea of doing a Duplass Brothers uh, type film, you know, Joe Swalbrick type film where everything was based on a treatment, but the actors and I would sort of workshop it and we would work on the dialogue or sort of improv the dialogue as we were filming. And so wrote it one night, sent it to four actors. And I said like, look, I'm filming this in my home uh in seven weeks and so i want to do six weeks of pre-production where we're just you know we can meet twice a week and we can workshop this uh and any questions we can chat you know phone or whatever but on the seventh week i just need a commitment from you for monday through friday five days seven to seven like i have my home from when my wife leaves to work and from when she comes back in (laughs) uh but as soon as she comes in we're wrapped so we've got you know 10 12 hours a day and uh, they were super excited. They read it, they were excited, they're like, great, we're in, let's do it.
0: It's kind of um, amazing what that self-imposed deadline can do. You know? 100%. <laughs> Light that <laughs> like, fire. Why didn't
1: I do this before? Um, so we filmed it, uh, it was a wonderful experience. It, it felt very much like uh, like theater. Um, I had one of the actors living with me um, at the time, and it just, yeah, it felt, it was great, it was so wonderful. Um, but then I edited it myself, I got paid everything, uh with you know with some savings that i had uh so it's completely self-financed um you know but i used the majority of the money for production and so uh i spent the next year and a half or so editing the film uh on my free time and then sent it out to festivals and you know did that um you know it did it did well more in, in French festivals but sort of you know won some awards uh, mm-hmm. all over uh, you know, sort of different places all over the world. And then it just sort of sat, right? And it became it became the the secret film uh, in the sense that like the world wasn't seeing it, right? People people that I knew would see it and it was actually helping me get work. Uh, I was definitely, people knew that I directed a feature, right? And so that sort of, that, that held some sort of status. So when I did mm-hmm. move to New York, uh, it became a lot easier for me to get work um, because people sort of had that trust, and then they also love the story of like, oh, you did this thing, and like, you you know produced it in six weeks, and you filmed it in a week. Like, tell me that story, and they'd get excited, and like, oh, you know, I'd love to bring that same energy to my project.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, so it did lead to a lot of work, uh, and then you know, babies come, and it gets so busy that <laughs> I I could know, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, you know work on getting it out there. And then finally, when this when this happened. It was a time where we're like, okay, I can't work. Um, and my wife, since she was still on maternity leave, I was like, look, if you can give me a few days so that you can just be with the kids and I can work on getting this online. Uh, yeah, so then I got it on Amazon and then have been doing word of mouth, emailing people, you know, slowly every day and just getting it out there. And now it's, you know, it's not become a secret film. I looked, I looked at it last night at the analytics and 11,000 people have seen it, which is wonderful.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Especially, yeah, yeah. Especially right now when everybody is um, like streaming is is the thing that people have, the thing that they're mm-hmm. doing. So that's yeah. great that they're finding it just on their
1: own. Totally. I, I was actually, I was watching uh, The Descendants the
0: mm-hmm. other night
1: and when it finished, my phone popped up as the, oh, you should watch <laughs> this next. <laughs> it was it's an incredible. interesting connection. <laughs> 100%.
0: But I mean, I know it's a coincidence and that you've had this around, but it's also mm-hmm. interesting that the film takes place during a hurricane mm-hmm. and it's only over the course of a night, but it has this sense of being people being shut inside and not being able to go anywhere. And so I think it's kind yeah. of wonderful timing in a way.
1: Totally. And, and having to deal with your relationships.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. You know, there's, it's definitely been, uh, I'm you know, as for many, right. prefer you know, just speaking for myself, like the first, I'd say two months of lockdown were super difficult. Because we were around each other all the time. And there was the stress of like what's happening in the world, right? Not just what's happening in the world, but then throw in this this pandemic, right? Because we're already stressed <laughs> about what's happening in the world. Right. But then you throw in this pandemic. And uh, yeah, it, you know, this was a lot of stress. So it was definitely a lot of fighting and just sort of getting used to it and like having to finally sit back and be like, all right, we we need to we need to figure out why we're fighting so much. Yes. Uh, and that's like, let's do like a reset. Let's do a hard reset. Um, and I think that's that's sort of what, you know, some of what happens in the film uh, where they are locked down and they're having to deal with their emotions or having to deal with their relationship and uh, decisions that they've made that have now altered uh, their relationship. Yeah.
0: Yeah, even just how, how not to annoy each other has been an interesting task <laughs> in this pandemic. We've definitely had to have some conversations about like, okay, we're around each other. We love spending time together, and we're around each other even more than we like to be around yeah. each other right now. How do we not step on each other's toes?
1: Yeah, you usually get a six to eight hour break a day, you know? <laughs> so that when you get to the weekend, you're like, I get to spend time with this person. You know?
0: How do you handle the hustle of being a filmmaker? Because it sounds like in your path, obviously, you don't get to always be directing feature films. You have to wear a lot mm-hmm. of different hats.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you enjoy that, or is it something that? Um, you kind of see a ladder you're climbing and you know, it's going to pass or how do you deal with that part of it?
1: I think it's a mix, you know, there's definitely aspects uh, that I don't enjoy, which are the, you know, in the industry always trying to get to that next rung. Right. Um, You know, so there's like the excitement of like, Oh, I've reached this level, but then like, I'm still not that level. right? It reminds me of a story of a, of a gaffer friend of mine who was working with tim robbins on a film the day after shawshank won at the oscars and he said that he overheard a conversation with tim robbins yelling at his agent or manager uh trying to get in the room so that he can audition for a part Uh and he was just like this is crazy this never ends this guy was Mm -hmm. just at the oscars for the best film of the year and he's still fighting to get in a room. Like, how is this possible? And he was like, "I'm so happy. I'm a gaffer. Like, I don't have to deal <laughs> I, with that."
0: I know some stories like that too. Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, and so you know, there's there's that aspect of it which can be uh, incredibly frustrating. Um, you know, but I enjoy. I feel like I'm a people person, so I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy you know, uh, connecting and with, it's like, you know, let's go to X place and just like get some coffee or a drink and like, let's talk a project. I enjoy that. And I get, ex- I'm, I think I have the, the, uh, the not so great sort of part of me that I get excited too early about an idea. I'm like, yeah, this is like, this is a great idea. <laughs> and I've met with this person and they're really excited about it. And like, we're going to go make a movie it's definitely happening (laughs) yeah it's definitely happening and I've you know I've been in the industry forever I've worked on thousands of projects uh not thousands hundreds of projects right at this point um and so I know the story I know how it goes but I still get excited so and that, (laughs) that excitement is probably what keeps me going every time because I love making movies um you know I love being on set I love working with actors I love figuring out story I love uh, being on set and being told we don't have this location. Uh, so what do you want to do? And then problem solving that and figuring it out and still making it work, you know, sitting down with the writer or whoever, and still making it work. Um, you know, so I think it's just like the, maybe the excited little kid in me, right. That just like wants to keep creating art and like the excitement of like creating this, you know, and thinking back of the movies that I love and how they made it. And reading stories about how you know these directors made their first films, um, and how they were in this—you know, everyone was sort of once in this situation. And I think that that's what keeps me going.
0: Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit about how kind of the quilts of how you put it all together financially? I mm-hmm. know you said you were directing a lot of commercials along the way. Have you kind of been able to support yourself with that, or have you been doing side jobs as well?
1: <laughs> so the i would say the directing has always been because i'll do i'll do some commercial directing as well and i'd say that's it's maybe like 30 70 at this point and the 70 being assistant directing um or producing um and so that is my bread and butter Gotcha. so that's features that's commercials that's fashion that's uh, you know industrials it's tabletop videos it's uh whatever whatever they need um, I'd sort of jump in and I've been lucky enough where uh, you know I'm at the point where I'm turning down I'm turning down jobs and I I've, Does a lot of it
0: just come from word of mouth and people that you've met, or do you have any yes. like resources that you use to help you find
1: stuff? So definitely, uh, so definitely word of mouth, right? So you know, even though I still subscribe to, you know, Mandy and all these other you know job hunting websites for the industry, I don't think I ever really get work from them. Mm-hmm. But uh, the majority of my, I think maybe when I, when I first moved to New York, since I was, even though I had a great resume. I was still sort of starting in this new city, but right now it comes from word of mouth. So just, you know, there's a few different producers uh, that, that I love working with and that seem to love working with me. And so they'll call me for projects. And when I, if I'm already working on something, what I've figured out, what I figured out was uh, I've created a pool of assistant directors around me. So if I can't take a job, I'm like, these are five other great ADs that I think will make you super happy. And so then those producers feel comfortable uh, with me, with my recommendation. And then they work with one of these ADs and they're very happy. And either they, you know, continue working with me because uh, because they're so, you know, because they, they still love me and uh, they're happy with my recommendations or they move on to that person. But those, those other ADs as well constantly send me work Where they're like, look, I'm already working on this feature, but I've got this other feature that's with Susan Sarandon. Do you wanna take it? (laughs) Right? And so it's, uh, and I always thought maybe it would be more of a we're fighting for the same job. But I feel like I sort of got to a certain level with it where we've realized there's enough work and it's just finding the right people to to hand it off to. And then they're, since they're working, you know, and if they're jumping on a feature, they're gonna be busy for the next two months. So any jobs that come to them in those two months, they're going to be happy to send my way.
0: Right. So it's kind of an informal collective you guys have mm-hmm. going on.
1: Totally. And I don't think any of them know each other. Um, but, you know, it's sort of the spider web for me. And I, you know, right, they go right, right. back my way.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what does your family think of you being an artist for your career?
1: Um. They love it. They. I come from an incredibly supportive family. Mm-hmm. Uh, like And you grew felt. up in Miami,
0: right? Yes,
1: in Miami. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cuban-American, my parents, Cuban, they came here uh, in the early 50s to the States, uh, mid-50s. And I was born uh, in Miami in the 80s. And uh, yeah, they're super supportive. Um, and I, they're all artists in, in their own right. So my mom's a singer um, and like never like professionally or like as a profession, um, but she's recorded an album. You know, oh, she loves awesome. singing at home. Yeah, so uh, so she's an artist that way. My dad, I always say, he's an artist. So my dad is a translator interpreter, and his art form is you know is is taking language and 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 putting it so that the world can understand. Right. So he's he's been the voice of the last I think eight presidents.
0: I think oh my the last
1: 40 years so if you you know if one of the presidents is speaking and he you know you log on to Univision or Telemundo you'll hear his voice uh, as the president wow and yeah and so he's done you know he's been doing uh yeah that his since he graduated i think he went to college for it and just been doing it forever another one of my brothers got two brothers one is a musician um and it's been in multiple bands and now uh, doesn't do that professionally, but is still, you know, constantly writing music, sending me songs to listen to. Uh, actually, his band is the band that does the soundtrack for my film.
0: Oh, wonderful.
1: Um, yeah, so it was great. It was it was really nice to, to work together in that. Um, and my other brother, he worked in the industry for a while, and he's more, I'd say, of a producer and of like a, as a creative producer. And so he worked on the film industry and then transferred over to video games and did that for a while. And then has come home and is now working with my parents' company and helping run the company.
0: That's so great that everyone at least is like on the same vibe and can appreciate each other's work. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, it's great. I can, uh, I'll send them all, you know, I'm always sending them my work, like, you know, when it's a work in progress and they always love it, even though I know it's not great. uh, When it's (laughs) a work in progress, they're like, oh, this is so awesome. Like, I can't wait to see it finished. And they'll, you know, Uh go watch the, the the 11 different versions of whatever I'm <laughs> them. uh you know and and my brothers will give notes my parents i could do whatever they would love uh, yeah <laughs> so they're not they're not great for notes
0: Um, So I think we first met when Frankie was working with you and Pepper on It's Freezing Out There.
1: No, we met before before that. that? When did we meet? Um, So uh, I did a reading for a film. Um, This was soon after I moved to New York. And this was, so it was right around the election. It was literally, we did the reading, I think, two days after Trump won. And this was a film about, uh, about rape culture in Hollywood and does not have a happy ending. Basically the bad guy gets away with it. Um, you know, but it's a film that showed uh, how it is that, that rapists and these monsters get away with this for years, for, for decades. Um, and I didn't realize it, you know, it's like I'd scheduled this and wasn't expecting a, a Trump to win the presidency, and so we did this reading, and everyone was just so mentally oh. effed from it. Um, do you remember now? Now I'm remembering. <laughs> <this>. <laughs> yeah, because I, because I, I, met, I had yes. heard about you, and I yes. tried. I invited you to come,
0: and Frankie uh, and I came.
1: Yeah, and I remember like asking you, like, "Hey, so like you know, and yes, can I get okay. some milk?" And you're like, I "I'm embarrassed can't, that I, I that was not at the front of, of my
0: mind." But, That's totally uh,
1: fine. But that, then we oh didn't we God. didn't see each other for a very long time right. that, until that project. Right, was right, like- right.
0: Oh my gosh! I think I've kind of erased that entire month out of my mind.
1: <laughs> Did it happen? Is it still happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, there's a lot going on in the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we re-met. we reconnected mm-hmm. when um when you guys were doing it's freezing out there. Yeah. And then you and Pepper also did a short film that you sent me called Hey Mama mm-hmm. more recently. That was after.
1: Yeah, after that its was, freezing uh, yeah, that was a few months ago. Yeah.
0: Tell me a little bit about your collaboration. It seems like you guys work really well together and you have this interesting... Okay. Um, I kind of love that the projects you've been working on are kind of parent-focused.
1: hmm Yeah. So uh, It's Freezing Out There came about from pepper i think doing a workshop for freezing out there um or like a reading for it and she wanted to team up with someone or was considering teaming up with someone because she was considering playing the lead and someone there i i think ceci ceci fernandez recommended me uh and she was looking for a woman to team up with but she was like look it's a man but <laughs> this man is as close to being a woman." <laughs> As he can be. He's very, very sensitive. Uh, so, you know, give him a chance. And so we met and she saw bookends. Um, and she was like, this is totally the kind of thing. Like, that was one of those projects where this was just like, this is absolutely how I want to make this film. Right. A lot of like improv. And- yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we started working on it together. And it's been this uh, incredible relationship. It's wonderful. We've become really good friends we've traveled the world together with our families i mean it's been wonderful uh i miss her so much she's now with her family in washington we you know we text and talk often but uh but yeah our families have have become really close um and she's got two kids that are a little bit older than mine and so yeah so she was doing this this project about uh egg freezing uh and it was based a bit off of her experience um and so yeah so we you know, we, we filmed it, I think, over a week. It was sort of the same idea where we worked with our actors for a little bit and then filmed it over two weeks. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I always say, like, people ask me, like, oh, which which do you like better, LA or New York? And for me, it really is uh, an experiencing both. It's really become New York. And it's because I feel like the filmmakers here uh, really are more like artists where it's not about you know it isn't always about the uh what what's this project going to bring me right or like how much money is this going to pay like if it doesn't if it doesn't hit like my my minimum then like i'm not going to do it but the i feel like uh people in new york are just excited about creating something cool and if they come across something cool they're more than willing to jump on board and be a part of it and so with it's freezing out there uh, between the two of us, we were able to pull a lot of actors who read it and were really excited about it. And actors like you know Frankie being one of them, mm-hmm. and we're really excited about it. And there are some actors that were like on these Tony Award-winning uh, Broadway shows who would come and play with us for you know five hours, <laughs> and then be like, "All right, hey, I've got another hour left because I got to get on the train and, and you know <laughs> and get to Midtown because I'm going to be on stage." And to me, it was, it was, uh, it was mind boggling. It was, it was just such a beautiful experience to be like, I'm working with these wonderful people who are just like having a good time. Um, and so, yeah, so we filmed this 12 episode web series and we did the festival circuit with it. Um, it got written up in a bunch of places, it got written up in the week, um, Lena Dunham's company uh, tweeted about it saying, like, this is a show that, you know, everyone should be seeing right now. And so, yeah, it got some great press. Um, And we, I think, fell in love with working with each other. Um, We just had this – we have this great collaboration. And so we came up with uh, an idea for a film. And we decided to make uh, a short version of it, which was Hey Mama. Oh, okay. Um, And so Hey Mama is a – it's a film about a pregnant woman's last days before uh, being induced, um, where she's, she's told by her doctors that if, if you don't go into labor naturally, we're going to have to induce you, and she's you know, two weeks overdue, and she is, you know not she's, she's too much in her head about it. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's spending the last days. And so what we wanted to do as an exercise with this short was actually work with a pregnant actress because we've got a bigger bigger uh, picture uh, film that we've written and that we're, you know, sort of rewriting now, which is a bit of a, a boyhood type film, but it's about motherhood. And it's about a woman who finds out she's pregnant and wasn't necessarily trying to get pregnant. Um, and then going through that entire experience, going through those 10 months of pregnancy. And the idea is that we would actually work with a pregnant actress. Oh, and cool. we'd go from, you know, once they found out, right. You know, that they're two or three months pregnant uh, we'd sort of do those first three months uh, of the film. And then every month we'd get together, you know, for four to five days and film that next segment of the film. And, you know, in the end uh, actually film the pregnancy and that way, you know, one, this, this, uh, you mean
0: like film the birth at the end? Is that what you meant?
1: Yeah, I mean, sorry, film the birth. Yeah, so mm-hmm. in the end we would film, uh, not the pregnancy, we would film the
0: birth. <laughs> Already filming um, the pregnancy. Um,
1: yeah, so, so you know, so the idea is like and we're going from conception to uh, to birth, and you're seeing right. the change that that a woman goes through, right? Where it's like that internal change, the external change, uh, the way that the world sees her, the way that she sees the world, um, and so we did, uh, hey mama with Lindsay Broad. And she was nine and a half months pregnant. And I think she went into labor the week after we filmed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it was incredible. I mean, and it was and it was such a learning experience being like, Okay, we can't push our actress. Uh, <laughs> we like can't we can climb like, those you know, stairs again. <laughs> totally. Like we've got a limited amount of takes uh, for her climbing stairs. And that was a that was a fear of mine where I was like, you know, in this film she's doing all these things to go into labor. And we're having right. her do all these things so going go uh, to labor. But thank God she did.
0: I loved it so much because I will say that was my experience with our baby. Mm-hmm. I was two weeks overdue and had to be induced. Yeah. And I was remembering those last couple of days where I was like walking in 90 degree heat for three miles and just like yeah. trying to make something happen. I loved it. But yeah. I love that that larger idea. It's kind of um, like boyhood esque in a yeah, yeah. more of a 10 month time period.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, you know, my my films have always been influenced by what's going on in my life, mm-hmm. right? So so for bookends, um, my, my wife and I had a party in our house in L.A., and, you know, everyone was, like, hanging out, drinking, and sort of, you know, as the night's ending, you know, friends are leaving. And, you know, by the end of the night, it was us and another couple that were there hanging out. And, you know, I was talking to my friend's wife. My friend was talking to my wife. And, like, everyone was just, like, having a good time. And, like, people were drunk. And it was, like, very loose. And I had the thought of, like, man, the energy in this room could totally go in a completely different <laughs> direction. Uh, and it was, like, what would happen if, like, if that if that happened? Um, and that's, you know, that's what sparked the idea for bookends, right? And you know, while we were filming, uh, it's freezing out there. I think by the end of it, there was eight babies that came from it. It was either like we were working pregnant actresses or uh, or people uh, conceived babies um, <laughs> while we were shooting. You know, and nine months later, there was a baby, which was my my story. Because we did a uh, we and a Q&A with a doctor uh, because we worked with a with a clinic um, and one of, you know, in, in working with them, one of the things that we did was uh, had one of the, their doctors come and actually do a talk with we threw our character in and we filmed it. And he was saying, you know, talking about how after 35, the, you know, the, the amount that the eggs, you know, start dropping. <laughs> um, and he freaked me out. And like, when we finished filming, he's like, yeah, does anyone like have any questions? And I was just like, I have a question but I just gotta say like you're freaking me out like i feel like i need to go home and impregnate my wife tonight and he was like well how old is she and I, you know i told him he was, he was like yeah well yeah you should and oh literally like three days later she <laughs> <you> know, like, <laughs> went. when um and so yeah you know and i've definitely been affected by fatherhood and like the stress you know that was coming like as you know this baby's coming and your world's gonna change and everyone's telling you that your world's gonna change but uh, you don't know how it's going to change and they tell you, you're not going to know how it's going to change, but it's going to change. Um, and I think that was part of Hey Mama, where you're so wrapped in your head because you're excited about this baby coming, but you're also so scared um, because you don't know, so, you know, it's the fear of the unknown. Right. Which I think is, is a lot of my anxiety comes from is fear of unknown. Um, but yeah. It totally worked into, you know, I think, I think these beautiful projects.
0: I love it. Are there any lessons you've learned in the last couple of years um, as an artist or as a parent that you're really proud of that you want to share with me? It could be something small. Mm-hmm.
1: Let me think. Yeah, I think you know maybe it's it's uh, sort of piggybacking to to what I was saying before, but not being not not letting my career be the only thing that fulfills me uh, and not putting so much into it um, and realizing that it won't always fulfill me. Um, you know, and and with, you know, with our industry, like there definitely is ageism, right? And there's going to be, you know, at a at, at certain point where I'm just going to be too old, uh, you know, too old to be like the young the young cool guy with his ideas coming in Uh, and, you know, and just getting that, I really, I get that from, from having, you know, my, my wife and my daughters, Um, you know, and I get that fulfillment from, from being a stay at home dad with them right now, right. And teaching them. Um, Yeah. So I think the lesson for me is not, is not putting, not putting your happiness uh you know solely on your art um because i think it's a trap um you know especially right now where it's like we don't know the state of our industry um you know and being an independent filmmaker like i don't know how this is really gonna affect you know i can i can think about it you know and i can sort of talk to friends about what they think is going to happen but we still don't know uh, how it's going to change everything um you know, and and indie filmmaking has already been cut off so much, uh, you know, like since the late 90s, mm-hmm. that right now it's like it's I feel like maybe it's and maybe it's silly, you know, thinking this way, but it's like teetering. Like, is it, you know, going to be like the, the nail in the coffin, um, you know, or not? And I think there'll always be indie films, but the ability to make those films and have people actually really see them. I don't know.
0: Right. I mean, I think this is me looking from the outside, but I think you've been so smart being involved in so many different ways of presenting work from like working with like the Insta mini series format mm-hmm. or like what it's freezing out there was put out on Vimeo. There's so many different platforms now. Totally. I think you've been really kind of smart in diversifying the things you have to show.
1: Yeah. I mean I've been I've been lucky where it's working with others. Um right, which is one of the things that I love about filmmaking is that collaboration. Uh, you know, so it's not always, you know, it's not always my idea, right? So like the instant miniseries, that was something that I was just brought on to. Um and right. I was lucky enough where when I moved to uh you know, moved to New York, uh, you know, Nikki Borges um, uh, you know, had just finished doing season one and they're about to do maybe they'd done two seasons and they were about to start doing a third and, you know, and I had producing experience, AD experience. And so they asked me to jump on board and produce, you know, this project and the third season ended up being creating the last project that David Bowie did. Um, And so, yeah. And so, you know, just, you know, literally two weeks after moving here, I had this incredible (laughs) experience um, that, uh, yeah, that was beautiful. And it was on Instagram um and it was you know and it would just it had just really people had just started um you know putting projects on instagram and so that's the thing it's like you know what i was saying before it's like i don't know if it'll ever really die but it is scary to sort of think where we're at right now and where financing is going to come from for these smaller for these smaller films because people are people are um being a bit tighter right now you know and aren't making money and that's, that's a scary thing about right now. It's that I know so many people that are struggling because they don't have work.
0: Right. right. And so
1: many people that had restaurant jobs that, you know, haven't been working. That's um, terrifying. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. That's, I think that's the scariest thing for me is just knowing uh, all the people that are, that are suffering financially and the stress that that brings because I've been there too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. I know you're extremely busy right now in this time period with your kids and everything, but have you been feeling inspired to write or anything around the fringes definitely. or has it just been too much to handle?
1: No, definitely. There's, there's, uh, there's writers that, that I'm constantly working with um, where, you know, one of, one of my mentors, uh, you know, is was this friend of mine, Christopher Pratt. He is this, incredible 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 writer and he he decided let's see maybe this was five years ago yeah it was right around when I moved here he decided that he was gonna become a writer he was a manager before and he managed uh, writers himself and directors and decided that he wanted to write and he's written I think 60 scripts in 60 months
0: oh my gosh yeah
1: he he moved to the woods and you know cut cut his uh you know cut his rent from you know what he was you know paying in LA uh living in the hills and like you know decided to move to the woods with his family and really focus on writing and so he's constantly sending me stuff right or you know we'll constantly talk about ideas um so there's a few scripts that that we're working on and uh, I've got a friend of mine who's a producer uh, here in the States, but he's he's Spanish, and so he does a lot of work in Spain as well. And so we've been talking a few ideas about what we can go and shoot in Spain right now because they just gave him some incredible incentives where I think in the end, it'll be as if you spent 15% of what it would actually cost you to make your film. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that I was thinking that as you were talking about the scripts. Like, are you... Um approaching them as you normally would or are you taking into consideration like how could we make this so that we can film it easily in whatever this mid or post pandemic world is
1: Totally. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely considering that. And I, that's that's what I do for all my projects, right? So with Bookends it was what do I have? I have a house that I live in and I've got actors, you know, mm-hmm. uh, accessible to me. So that's what we did. Uh you know, with the freezing out there, we filmed in all locations that we owned or that we could borrow from people. Um, and so with this, it's the same thing, right? So this producer, uh, you know, he's, he's done some projects in the Canary Islands. Um, and so he sent me like this, these are the locations, right? They've got, you know, their own location film board, um, uh, uh, for the Canary Islands. Like, these are all our locations. So this is, this is what we have access to. What, what scripts can you bring me that fit within this? Mm. Uh, because I want to make something with you, uh, and this is how I can make it. Interesting. And so now, yeah, and so now it's considering, uh, you know, everything that would work within there, and and even like, so now I'm you know I'm talking to to the writer that I mentioned, uh, and going back to his scripts and be like, what scripts do we have that fit in here? So it's not that we have to actually write something, but we can just see something that already sort of fits in that peg uh, and hand it off, and then maybe we make that. Right. Yeah.
0: These last two little questions are mm-hmm. just. When you do feel yourself going to that dark place or that uninspired place, like, are there any tangible things that you reach for again and again, like a book or that you go back to again and again, or music or a place that you go, something like that?
1: Yeah. So definitely not music because I really like becoming depressed with music. Um, (laughs) I'm all about the sad music. Like I will just sit in a room and cry listening to music, but not because... I'm sad from, like, the first thing that was stressing me, but the singer's voice is just, like, destroying me, (laughs) Uh, um, um, so not music, but yeah, things, things, I definitely will, will, um, will be proactive about meditating, uh, for sure, Um, but do you have
0: any, have you come across anything, I know you started so young, Mm -hmm. but have you had friends who started meditating later in life, like any resources that they've used to do that or just mm-hmm. tell them to be quiet and sit down and just go for it.
1: <laughs> no, so, there's a, so there's definitely, there's a bunch of apps, right? So there's, right. Uh, you know, there's a few different apps, right? So like I practice mainly uh, TM, which is, which is uh transcendental meditation. So I've got this word that I repeat, you know, sort of my mantra that I just sort of repeat in my head uh, and I focus on that, which helps me sort of lose focus on everything else. Um, But, so there's some apps that will automatically give you that, they'll say like, this is your word, just sort of repeat this, you know, repeat Mm -hmm. this humming sort of word in your head. And you can do, you know, 10, 20 minutes of that. I think uh, Russell Simmons has an app um, that I use for that sometimes. Uh, There's another one called Buddhify, which is more of uh, like mindfulness meditation. Where the person, there's a person speaking and they're walking you through the meditation, and they'll give you different topics. Like if you're having flight anxiety, right, like getting on a plane and traveling, which is some of my anxiety. So you know, sometimes listen to that or things about work or family, different kinds of stressors. Um, let's see. And there's a few books that uh, I read. So there's an essay that I read when I was 17 that really. Uh, changed my life uh, and just sort of my outlook on life. And it's called The Iron and it's about Henry Rollins or it's by Henry Rollins. And it's about how he got into uh, working out and just sort of his, how his mindset changed from it. But one of the things that he talks about is, you know, he used to be this very uh, depressed kid and this very, um, sort of sad and weak-minded kid but and he, when he started working out he realized that he had all this power in him uh he just didn't know how to harness it and so he says if, if you know if you're feeling depressed and you you've got this this negative energy instead of doing something negative with it like uh you know popping pills or you know or drinking too much uh why not why not channel that energy into something positive like working out right so it's like you know mm-hmm. so I, I use that to remind myself so if i'm feeling in a negative place well Go outside and go for a walk, right? Or go for a jog, go for a hike, sit and meditate. You know, do some push-ups, whatever it is. Uh, but do something active with that with that energy and take it to a positive place. Right. Uh, and then the other one is a book called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior uh, by Dan Millman, and it's sort of a, a similar story, but it's a uh, based on a true story where it's this college gymnast who is this you know Olympic athlete and he ends up breaking his leg in a motorcycle accident and it's all about how he recovers from that uh, mentally and physically by working with this gas station attendant who sort of ends up becoming his like guru mentor Uh, you know it takes place I think in like 1967 so it's definitely uh, like new age sort of hippie-ish but I've read it like seven times like whenever I feel like I'm going to a dark place I reread it it's, it's a quick read and I've recommended it to people. Uh, and they've told me that like, they've loved it. So. Okay. Great. I'll have
0: to look yeah. those up. Um, and then the last question is have you seen anything recently of any art form that you want to recommend
1: from uh, just, your house? <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I just watched normal people. Okay. Um, um, and it's a show that's on Hulu and it's a Hulu original, uh, that they teamed up with the BBC, um, and it's an Irish show, and it's based off of a book with the same title, and it's just uh, beautiful. It's like such a simple. It's for me, it's like the the kind of thing, it's kind of story, uh, and show and film that like I aim to make. Where it's like if I made this, I'd be like I'm retiring. Like <laughs> this is perfect. Like this is this is what I've wanted to do. Um, but it's just such a simple story. It's just two people who meet and continue to, to get in their way like to get in each other's way from actually having this wonderful relationship because they have baggage because they have issues, but they just keep, they keep missing each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it goes from high school to college to post-college and it's just beautiful. And there's, there's a, there's a moment where the character, there's the, the lead, the, the male lead, it's just sort of he's in he's at a museum and he's just staring at a painting for hours. And I felt like that watching this show. I felt like I was at a museum in Europe just staring at this massive classic painting and just taking it all in and like being moved by it where, it's, you know, I'm looking at one part of it. It's, you know, it's bringing happiness and then sadness. And it's just it was this cathartic uh, uh, experience watching the show is beautiful. I loved it. I cried. I laughed. I smiled. It was, it was wonderful. <laughs> I gotta see it. Yeah, That's great.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This really made my day. It was great. conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of the compass please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the compass podcast pledges start at as little as one dollar a month anything you can give would be greatly appreciated also if you have a moment please rate or review in itunes every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast i'd like to thank the following people for their generosity the compass cover art is by kim miller Music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.